We're continuing our sermon series looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And we, we've got to this middle section of teaching in Matthew chapter 5. Some people have called it the, the real center of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but Jesus gives this four-verse intro we dealt with last week where he, he talks about how he came not to abolish the law but actually came to fulfill the law that he is in continuity with what the law and the prophets said even though he's giving these uh, new commandments and talking about these these different things and uh, so so then Jesus gives uh, these six uh, some people have called them antitheses in other words he Moses said this and the law and the prophets say this but I say to you but remember Jesus has already said he's not abolishing he's fulfilling so it's more like six ways in which he's taking the teachings of the Old Testament uh, deeper or to their natural place. Um, and, and, he, and he ends that first couple verses saying that unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees and the scribes, then uh, you'll, you'll never get into the kingdom, which is crazy. I mean, nobody in Jesus' audience could have imagined ever having righteousness that exceeded the scribes, the written, uh, the, the leaders in interpreting the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the law and the prophets, or the Pharisees, which was this group, this sect within Judaism that was trying to be ultra-righteous. Their word was zealous. They wanted to be zealous, and they, they were trying to save Israel from becoming bad and eventually going into exile again. So it was crazy to think about that, and it's crazy again then for Jesus to say that you've heard it said, which he says in groups of three. There's six, but, but there's th sets of three. The first time he says, uh, you'll hear it from the prophets of old. He gives a longer intro and then shoot two shorter ones, and then he repeats it. So we're going to do three this week and three next week, and I'll read the scripture as we go through them. Um, but then it was, it's crazy because he says, you've heard it said, but I say to you. I mean, no teacher, no rabbi would have just said their own teaching, their own ideas on what the law and the prophets said. You always based what you were doing on other rabbis. But Jesus teaches his own kind of teaching. And so let's start in Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read a little bit, explain, and then come back. So Matthew 5, starting in 21. You have heard it said to those of old, that's the long intro of the first of the three, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says you fool will be liable to, to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gifts there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So here's Jesus talking about anger. And, and the first thing to note is that he, he's right. He, he's not trying to abolish the law. He's not trying to say that murder is okay. Murder's still bad. But what he does is he takes it deeper. And says it's not just about murder. It's about anger. 
It's about your, uh, your relationships. It's about reconciliation. I mean, Jesus is not saying that all the laws are the same. Okay, he's not actually saying that murder is basically the same thing as anger is basically the same thing as calling somebody an idiot. Okay, but, but what Jesus is saying is that, that it goes deeper. I mean, you can read these and say Jesus is setting a much higher bar for following the law, but, but in reality what Jesus is doing is he's taking the, the, the commandments deeper into your heart and into your relationships. That murder is bad. But sin starts way before you murder, when, it, it, when you get angry in your heart, when you get bitter. So, so Jesus is not trying to stretch the laws. He's not, even, he's not trying to trivialize them either. What he wants is right anger. Hey, what he wants is no sin. He wants the right heart and right attitudes. And so before you give your offering, make sure you've lined things up. I mean, Jesus is talking about a radical kind of reconciled life between people. And he's not saying that, that anger is always wrong. There's times when you should be angry. We, we looked at that with the Beatitudes, that meekness is actually being angry at the right things for the right amount of time, um, for the right reasons. Jesus gets angry, but he's without sin. But we better be careful with anger. You know, we're in a world right now that's very angry. There's a lot of angst, a lot of, of people upset about a lot of different things, and a, a lot of people have a right to be angry, um, that this world needs to be different. The caution for us as Christians is that we're supposed to be peacemakers. We're supposed to be meek. We're supposed to, to fight for righteousness, yes, but we're supposed to watch our attitudes and our relationships along the way. Jesus isn't just raising the bar. He's taking it deeper. So having dealt with anger, he, he goes to lust. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than the whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body goes into hell. Jesus takes this again. Again, not abolishing the law. Okay, Adultery is still bad. But going deeper to say, no, 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 adultery is just not about the physical act. It's about your heart. And so even lust is bad. And, and he says those things that tempt you, you got to flee from, you got to get away from. And he says this bold thing. I, I love whenever somebody says they take the Bible literally, that they just do absolutely what the Bible says. I like to take them to this verse. Okay, because you mean to tell me you've never coveted, you've never lusted with your eyes. There would not be a boy that could get out of middle school with his eyeballs if you took this text literally. What is he, Jesus, doing? He's trying to push us down to motives, to our heart, to our relationships. And so we're supposed to flee temptations, get rid of the things that bring us towards temptation. Okay? And Jesus wants to redeem sexuality, redeem relationships, make them whole. And he's not abolishing the law, but he's saying, no, no the law wasn't just about not going too far. The, 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 the law was actually about bringing us into rightness. Right? Man, we, we live in a culture that is so over-sexualized. Right? From, from movies to advertisements to just the way people uh, dress. It, it's crazy how over-sexualized our culture is. And, and we as Christians need to be careful. We need to really guard our hearts.
Then Jesus gives a tough one here. He says, It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So, so Jesus pushes this further. Again, divorce, Jesus isn't saying divorce is okay. A lot of people in Jesus' culture did say divorce was okay. And it was fine if a husband accused his wife of being unfaithful, then he could divorce her. And, and it was really bad because wives did not have that same authority to make claims about their husband in court. Um, and we live in a culture like that where, where people just quote irreconcilable differences. Where monogamy in our country, in our culture, means serial monogamy. You're just true to one person at a time, and then you move on to the next one. But in Jesus' way, in, in a Jesus way, in a Jesus kind of life, that, that's not good. That you are meant to love, and that commitment and that love is supposed to last, and you're supposed to reconcile. Now, this is really difficult. And I understand that it's difficult, and a lot of people have been divorced, and I've seen God bring grace out of divorces. And, and, and sometimes the sin is really rushing into the marriage in the first place. I remember a, a buddy of mine who was really struggling because his parents were talking about getting divorced, and he was so upset oh, that uh, this is a sin. It's a sin for them to divorce. And I remember saying to him, you mean to tell me you think their relationship as it currently is is not sin and glorifies God? Now, we, we need to have a high view of marriage, and we need to fight for marriage. And, and marriage is, is so difficult on families. It's so difficult on children. Uh, divorce can just be so devastating. And a lot of people who have been through it know that. But we also need to have a high view of grace. And you have to sort of balance these two things out. That's the hard part of what Jesus is doing here in this teaching. When, when he's looking at these laws, when he's giving his own interpretations of the laws. And, and it's easy for us to miss this. It's easy for us to think that maybe what Jesus is doing is just giving us a deeper checklist. Adding things to the list. Okay, I can't just commit, not commit adultery. I need to watch out for my lust. Okay, I, I can't just uh, not murder. I have to be careful about being angry. But, but we got to be careful if we interpret that too far. Because we can start playing the wrong game. Now, what do I mean by game? I mean, what's, how do you keep score with God? How do you know what your relationship with God is? I mean, for the Pharisees, the temptation, and, and they would have critiqued this. They wouldn't have agreed with this. But, but the temptation way, the legalistic way, is often good enough. That's the game. Good enough. Am I good enough? Have I followed enough rules? Have I stayed away from enough bad things? Am I good enough? Or, or the scribes, they, they seem to be following the game, a similar legalistic game of no enough. Good enough and no enough. Do I know enough? Do I know the right things? Do I have the right truths? Do I have the right beliefs? Right? But, but both of those become checklists. And ultimately, what both of those lead to is a very different game. And the game is called better than. Better than. So what, what you end up doing when you follow legalism, whether it is uh, towards uh, your behavior or towards knowing the right things, good enough and no enough, is you end up either comparing yourself to everybody else and hoping that God's grading on a curve. 
right? So I may not be perfect, but at least I'm not divorced. At least I've never murdered anybody, right? Or uh, I may not know everything, but at least I know more than so-and-so. At least I'm ahead of the curve on that. Or what we do is we pick certain laws that we're good at and we make them more important than the other ones because then we can feel better about it. See, that's what it always becomes. It becomes a game of can I make myself feel better because I have done what I'm supposed to do or at least I'm better than other people at it. And, and that sounds terrible, right? But it, it never goes out. It never feels terrible in the moment. It always feels like righteousness. It always feels good. There's a seduction, a temptation to legalism. And Jesus is commanding here. He's taking these things so deep that you can't win that game. He's taking them so deep that the only thing you can do is trust in his mercy and grace. And then start working on your heart. But the only way you're going to actually get there is by trust, is by surrender. He's playing a different game. A game that's not a checklist, but a game that's about your heart. And that's ultimately about grace and submission to his lordship. So don't, don't go thinking that this is all about commands and all about following the right checklist. What it's really about is making Jesus as Lord. And that would have been crazy for people to think about in Jesus' day. And, and in a lot of ways... It's still crazy for us because it's easy for us to pursue good enough, know enough, and better than. But I'm telling you, those are traps. Those are not the games that Jesus is playing. And we're going to see those play out as we go through some more of these statements of you have heard it said. But for right now, just let yourself ponder, what are the games that you're playing with God? And are you living your relationship with God out of grace and out of submission? Or are you trying to control it somehow in how you think about how you stand with God? May it be about grace for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.